kid's uh, Sunday school class who was learning a simplified version of the Apostles' Creed, what you just heard there, uh, and each child memorized a line and they were putting it all together and reciting it one after the other and they were going to present it in front of the church, so they were running through it. Uh, and and uh, so the first child, the, the teacher said, okay, start, and the first child said, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Then the second child said, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And then there was silence. After about five seconds or so, someone piped up from the back, teacher, the kid who believes in the Holy Spirit isn't here today. What do you believe in? We could, uh, we could take the rest of the day, uh, we could take the rest of the week or the month. Uh, I hope that you're starting to think about that. It's a pretty wide-ranging question, right? We could uh, believe in a whole lot of things. Last week, we started this series uh, all about what we believe and how that informs how we live. If you missed that last week, a lot of great uh, introductional stuff uh, and le- during these um, During these weeks leading up to Easter, we'll be learning about uh, some of those foundational beliefs that should be uh, part of our lives, what what we build our lives on as we follow Jesus. Last week we, we had that uh, overview of uh, the Christian worldview, right, and, and, uh, and the non-Christian worldview, and we, we kind of laid those things out, and we don't have time certainly today to go through all that again, but uh, you can go online and listen to that, or, or uh, the Facebook page and catch the video from last week, and if you want to catch up with that. Uh, but uh, we said that there's this Christian worldview and this non-Christian worldview, but most of the time, uh, people, even good church-going folk like ourselves, most of the time, we kind of take a blending of the, the two what I termed last week as smorgasbord Christianity. In other words, where where we're taking what we like from Christianity and we're taking what we like from a whole lot of other places and we kind of put it together to make our own plate of spiritual goodness, right? And so it's just kind of what we want and and, uh, we act like we're in charge of designing our own personal spiritual experience. But that, that can't be how it works. That's not how it works in this quest to say this I believe we're not just trying to find out what sounds good or what feels good or what I want to believe we're looking for the truth right capital T truth we're looking for what God says is true and we want to build our lives on that foundation this I believe I maybe you've seen a long time ago I guess I don't know that I've seen it uh recently but there's a bumper sticker uh that that used to go God said it I believe it, that settles it. Anybody seen that? You've seen that before? No? You've never seen it? Three of you. Good. I see that hand. Great. Uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, that sounds great on the surface, but I have some issues with it. I have issues with a lot of things, and maybe we should just drop it. But uh, no, pretty sure (laughs) that it should probably read, God said it, that settles it, right? Doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. The truth is the truth whether I believe it or not right? So, uh, uh, so what we're trying to do is get to the real truth of, of what God says, and we're going to latch onto that, but that's going to be true no matter what, whether we say that we believe it or not. We want, I, what I desire for all of us is that we will believe it, that, that, that we're going to say this, I believe. And today, we're starting right at the top, going right, right, uh, right to the, the, the source of it all. This, I believe, about God. We're going to talk about God. Virtually every civilization that has existed 
has had some inclination toward beliefs in the divine, in a higher power, uh, something beyond themselves. For the ancient Greeks, it showed up in the mythological figures like Zeus and all of his cohorts, right? And, and uh, the, the ancient Druids were said to be uh, mediators between humans and the gods. They were very in tune with nature, and they had a thing about big rocks, right? You know, Stonehenge, that whole deal, right? Uh, Eastern religions have always worshipped many gods down through time. Of course, there are the, 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 the biggies that uh, are, are still around today. You've got Buddhism and you've got Islam in addition to Christianity, but uh, there have also been a lot of uh, more obscure, maybe, gods in other cultures, quote-unquote gods, revolving around things. A lot of times they revolve around things in nature, like the sun god and the, the moon god and, and, uh, and, and the god of the harvest and, and all those sorts of things. We we read about other gods in biblical times, and that's, that's uh, kind of how a lot of those gods, are. maybe you've read about gods like Baal or Ashtoreth or Dagon, or there are others mentioned in scripture. And, and it seems that we as humans have this pull within us that we're created with this, this pull toward something divine, some, that, that there is a higher power, something beyond ourselves. And that inclination within us that we've been created with is intended to lead us toward the God of the Bible, right? The one true God. And what we believe about God matters because we live differently if we believe that there's a God or if we don't believe that there's a God. It's foundational and changes and we live differently based on what we believe about God, what we believe that God is like. For instance, if I believe that God is just that big guy upstairs, you know, then that's a little different than if I believe that God is a dictator who wants compliance to his rules at all costs and he's w- just waiting on me to, to mess up so he can zap me with his lightning. That's, that's a whole different God, right? And just, I mean, between you and me, neither one of those are the God of the Bible. So uh, it, we're, as we kind of get started in this, I ran across some, some notes that children had written to God. And I think from those, we, can, we get a good cross-section of a lot of the, uh, the issues that, uh, and questions and, and beliefs that I think uh, that are either stated or underneath uh, a, a lot of, uh, well, these, these notes that we'll look at here in a second, as well as, uh, and then that I think we would relate to a lot of these things. So let's go ahead. Uh, here's the first one. Dear God, are you really invisible or is that just a trick? It's a good one. Go ahead. Next one. Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over. I think that's a good prayer, right? Is that a good? I don't know. Okay, next one. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Joyce is kind of frustrated with God. Go ahead. Uh, Dear God, I bet it is very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in my family, and I can never do it. And I think we can maybe relate to that. Uh, dear God, are boys better than girls? I know you are one, but try to be fair. That's, I think that's, that's a good question for Sylvia to ask. Go ahead. Uh, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that or was it an accident? Norma is really wondering about creation and how that all works. Next one. Uh, dear God, I am American. What are you? I think, you know what, let's just, could we pause there and just talk politics for a little while today? Can we just drill down on that? Because I think a lot of people think God is American, but that's a whole other conversation. Go ahead, next one. Uh, We read, we read that Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school they said you did it. So I bet he stole your idea. I think Donna is right. Go ahead. 
dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There is nothing good in there now. That's where we're at right now, right? We're just kind of, yeah, okay. Uh, dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. I wrote that one. No, I wasn't. That's a different, different, and I don't know Dennis Clark, I promise, but uh, we do need God to intervene. Uh, dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I will show you my new shoes. So Mickey got some new shoes, and God is going to see him at church. Go ahead, next one. Dear God, I do not think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know that, but I'm not just saying that because you are God. Charles, is that the last one? That might be the last one. Okay. There are a lot of different issues there that, uh, that, that we see that's, uh, that, are, that are going on. Um, uh, a lot of things that are either stated or underneath um, some of those, those questions um, concerning who God is and how he operates. There's certain beliefs, uh, the, like the belief that God has the power to provide for my needs, right? And for my wants, and I want him to do this. And, and uh, uh, we, we saw there that there's, there's a belief uh, that God is the creator or the sustainer of life, that God is good and he wants good for me there there was disappointment with God that he didn't provide what I wanted that uh, we, we see there that that there's some belief that God sees what goes on in the world at least during church on Sunday when I'm wearing my new shoes right so so there's a there's there's a and and so that starts to get us down the path toward what we believe or what the foundational beliefs are about God and and we might find that we have some things down in there somewhere that we've kind of assumed about God, but, but maybe we've never really thought through a lot of, uh, of all of that. So uh, as we get started, there, there are a few, I don't know, $3 words maybe that, uh, that, that we'll throw around as, as we get started. The omni words, go ahead, uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Uh, those are uh, three biggies about who God is or what God is like that, uh, that have been uh, taken from Scripture and, and crafted uh, to, uh, to, to help us to understand who God is. And you're going, well, that doesn't help me at all because I don't know any of those words. Well, basically, that you, go ahead. The, uh, that means that God is all-powerful, that he is all-knowing, and that he is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. And also, we need to realize up front here that he is eternal, um, that God has, has always been. I mean, the Bible starts off with, in the beginning, God. It doesn't say uh, God was born. He was already here when everything started. He has been around since before the beginning, Right, can't quite understand that, but but that's how it is because everything revolves around time for us. There, it, God is not limited by time and space, uh, and and so all those things are important as we think about God and um, and and who He is. I have to tell you that I uh, I really struggled this week in preparing this sermon, not because I don't believe in God, don't don't think that's the uh, the reason, but um, but because I mean, how can I teach on who God is? and uh, convince you to believe it in 30 minutes or less, right? Some of you are tied up with, oh, it's only going to be 30 minutes? Great. But um, uh, don't count on it. But uh, the, uh, uh, it, it's a tall order to think, I mean, and, and so, I mean, we, we sing about who God is all the time. We get our understanding of that from Scripture and what we read and what we experience and all those sorts of things. Uh, but to, to boil all that down into something that this I believe, well, there's so much, right? There's so much that we believe about God. So, I mean, I can't do it. Don't worry, I'm not going to like pray and go home right now. But uh, we're not going to get every single detail about who God is this morning. 
God is so far beyond our comprehension. We have to realize that too, right? We will never fully understand him. Romans eleven thirty three spells that out, uh, 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Today, I can't give you all the facts and figures about God so that you have part of your religion and theology figured out. Okay, check that off. I guess this is what I believe about God. What I can do, what I, what I want to do, is to try to start to paint a picture, a true picture of who the Bible says God is and to point you toward him. Because God isn't a, uh, just a concept. God isn't uh, just a thought or a power or an energy source. It's not even a force. Sorry, Star Wars fans. But uh, God is personal and he wants you to know him. And he wants to know you. So I guess we need to start there. First of all, let's just start right there. God is alive and he's personal. God is is alive and he's personal. We can get to know him. John 5, 26, the father has life in himself. Maybe this goes without saying. Maybe you're saying, well, if you were going to skip some stuff, this probably could have been one to be skipped because we would assume that God is alive. We, we need to recognize that God is a living, personal being. And saying that, I'm saying that we can know him, that, that we can interact with him, that, that he is alive, that, that he has personal qualities and personal characteristics. We sing about them, we sang about a lot of them this morning, about who God is and what he does, and, and we list them in our, in our songs, and, and we talk about them in our classes, and, and, and we God has characteristics. He is not just this force out there somewhere, but he is personal. One exercise that, that uh, has helped me at times in my personal worship experience is to, is to start listing God's characteristics. Uh, and sometimes I've even like used the alphabet. And so I'll list the alphabet down the side of the page and then start thinking about words that might describe who God is. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, A, maybe awesome. Okay, well, that one, uh, that, that would be, God is beautiful. C, God is compassionate. D, God is my uh, deliverer. Uh, he's everlasting. He's faithful. He's gracious. We could go on and on and, and, uh, and list some of those characters. God has personal characteristics and qualities and we can know him. From cover to cover, God is revealed in the pages of scripture. And so if we're going to know God, we've got to spend time in scripture. Uh, we've got to read it we, we, so we can get to know him. And as, we, as you read it, as you spend time in scripture, uh, ask yourself, what does this tell me about God and about who he is? God is alive and personal and we can know him. And that's important. Because many times people might believe that, that God is just this power. That maybe, maybe some, some force somewhere started all this uh, world into, into being. And, and, uh, but I can't really know God or anything. It's just this, this force. And, and, or it's this, it's this uh, power that maybe I can try to control for my own, uh, my own benefit, right? If I just get on God's good side, if I, I just cross all my T's and dot all my I's and quote all the right things at all the right times, then God will bless me or this force of the universe will, will bring good things to my life. God is not a lucky rabbit's foot. God is not the, the jersey that you never wash that you wear on game day so your team will win. Uh, God is not a good luck charm. God is alive. 
He is personal and he wants to have a relationship with you. That's because God is love. We've got to know that too. John 4, 16, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. At his very core, God is love. And, and that matters. I, I mean, if, if, if God were hate, then it would be a different God that we're, we're if God were apathy, <laughs> then a whole different kind of God. But he's not. God is love because God is love. He loves the world. Scripture says he loves people. He loves us. And, and what did he do to show that love? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's the most well known verse. In the Bible, and because God is love, he loves us, and he has provided for our salvation, even while we, while humanity was rebelling against him. Romans 5, 8 says, while God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a demonstration of the love of God. An apathetic God wouldn't do that. A vengeful God wouldn't do that, but a God who is love would and did. Because God is love, there is nothing we can do to earn his love or to make him love us more. He is love. There is also nothing we can do to make him love us less. These are foundational things that we believe about God and who he is and how we interact with him and how we live life in the world. There's a, there's a whole lot of other characteristics about God that, that spring out of his love for us. I mean, he shows us grace and mercy. He, he, he forgives us. He heals us. He provides. He, he shows compassion. Uh, so many things. We could go on and on and on. But, but at the core, we need to talk about that God is love. All that. So God is a, he's alive. He is personal. He's not just this force somewhere. Uh, at this very core uh, is, is his essence. He is love. We also have to talk about any conversation about God also has to include the fact that God is Holy. Leviticus 19.2, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. God's holiness is repeated throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We need to, we need to know God is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. He is good. He is whole or complete. He cannot stand sin. That also means, God's holiness also means that he is separate or he's set apart. Just a couple of Scriptures, uh, Exodus 15, 11, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? 1 Samuel 2, 2, there is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Psalm 77, 13, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Even as we talk about God's nearness and love and he loves us and, and there's nothing we can do to, to make him love us less or more, that he is just love and he loves us and he sent Jesus and, and yet we still also have to see that God is other or holy. He is, he is completely beyond us. Anything and everything that exists pales in comparison to God and his holiness. And so we have to have this holy reverence or awe of God. The Bible refers uh, over and over again, uh, uses the phrase, the fear of the Lord. Not necessarily that we should be afraid, um, although it wouldn't hurt to maybe be a little afraid. 
But it's, this is more about giving God honor and respect, right? Submitting to his leadership, to recognizing his position as God over all. The, those who fear the Lord obey him. They, they serve him. And in that, they find wisdom. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we're acknowledging who God is recognizing his authority and lordship over everything, then we will, we will have the wisdom to follow what he says. Seeing God as the big guy upstairs doesn't quite seem to get it when we think about God's holiness. We need to fear or honor God. He is holy. God is, is personal. He is alive. He is a person. God is, is love. At his essence, he is love and he loves us. He is also holy majestic, amazing, and completely other. I think one other thing that, um, that we really need to grasp is that God is Trinity. Uh, this may flip the script a little bit, I don't know, but, but even as we get a, begin to get a picture of God, we have to know that he is Trinity. He is three in one. And, and if we're going to have any mind-blowing moments, this would be yet another one today. Um, we know from Deuteronomy 6, 4, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay, it's, it's uh, one of the essential verses, even in the, the, the Hebrew uh, religion, the, the Jewish religion, they would, they would wrap around that, God, Lord our God, the Lord is one. And yet throughout the Bible, we, we read about three different persons of God. And so when we talk about that and kind of use them interchangeably uh, in our uh, relationship uh, with God and with the church, and we talk about God the Father, we talk about God the Son or Jesus, and we talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, all referred to as God in Scripture, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So which is it? Do we believe in one God or do we believe in three gods? Uh, we don't believe in three gods that are working together. We believe in one God who reveals himself in three persons. The Bible never uses the term Trinity. You will, you will see in Christian circles all over the place that, that, that uh, the church uses the term Trinity all the time, though, because the concept is, is all over Scripture. All three persons of God are seen throughout scripture starts at the very beginning uh the dawn of time uh, god the father god the son god the holy spirit all present at creation we, uh, genesis 1 1 and 2 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters then john 1 1 which also talks about in the beginning and refers to jesus as the word uh in the beginning was the word or was jesus and jesus was with god and the word or jesus was god so all three uh right there from the very beginning it doesn't use the word trinity but it talks about god in these three different persons uh uh, Jesus mentions all three in uh, Matthew 28, uh, verse 19, what we've called the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'll be with you always. And, 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 and so he's mentioning all three. We see in Jesus' um, uh, Baptism, we see all three uh, persons of the Trinity present at the same time. Jesus is in the water uh, being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending on him as a dove and the voice from heaven from God the Father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. All three persons of the Trinity and, and uh, present at the same time. Galatians 4, I think the Apostle Paul eloquently and succinctly describes how the Trinity works in tandem in our, in our lives. Galatians 4, 4 through 6. 
when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. All three, uh, God who loved us, sent his son, Jesus, and all those who call on the name of Jesus receive the gift of his spirit. Maybe, maybe uh, the, the whole concept of the Trinity is a little mind-boggling, and, or maybe you've heard it and, and you go, yeah, I believe that, but I, I mean, it's still kind of hard to grasp. One great way to uh, grasp it is to think of, uh, or one illustration or metaphor might be to look at water. H2O, right? Uh, you've got the three different parts of water. You've got uh, the solid, which is uh, it's frozen, it's, it's ice. We've got the liquid uh, water, and we've got steam uh, or, or gas. And so you, but it's still all the same element, right? Still all H2O, and yet we experience it in very different ways. Uh, steam is completely, our experience with steam is very different than our experience with ice. Uh, you know, the, the bathroom floor this morning felt like ice, but certainly once the shower kicked on, the steam was Still, anyway, so, so you've got, we, we interact with it, but it's still the same element. I, I'm not saying that, that God is like gas. What I'm saying is that, that this, I believe, God is one made up of three distinct persons with whom we interact. We've got to see that, and we've got to believe that. So what is God the Father like? What is God the Son like? What is God the Holy Spirit like? When I think of God as Father, I'm immediately drawn back to God's love right? God is love and, and he, he loves us and he loves his son Jesus and he sent him to, to be with I And I know for, for some people when you think father, the first thing you think is not love some, some, for some people. Uh, some people haven't had stellar experience with, experiences with their fathers. But please know that, that when the Bible refers to God as our father, uh, he is, uh, it's referring to the God being a perfect representation of a father. Maybe not the one that you know who, who uh, left you or abused you or neglected you. God is the perfect father, full of perfect love. Um, and thinking of fa- God as father also highlights his authority, right? And, and his faithfulness and his protection and we could go on and on about uh, so, so using the word father is multifaceted in thinking about this God who is, who is in charge and who loves and who protects and who guides because he is all those things he sent his son Jesus to earth Jesus is described as God's son over and over again in scripture. Uh, although Jesus has always, we think son, we think, well, at some point uh, he was born and on earth he was born. But uh, even before he came to earth, he has existed uh, uh, right along with God the Father. Uh, the Bible describes Jesus as fully God and fully man. Yet another mind-blowing uh, concept because how in the world can someone be 100% of two things at the same time, right? But that's what scripture says, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And we've got to believe that if we're going to believe, if we're going to set off on this course of, well, how do I, how do I uh, live this out? Well, the foundation is that Jesus, Jesus was fully God and fully man and has provided for ourselves. A lot of people, a lot of people have, uh, have said, well, okay, Jesus wasn't really God. Maybe he's a good guy. Uh, he's a good teacher. He's a good leader, but, but not, not God. I'm, I'm reminded of what C.S. Lewis wrote uh, years ago about all of this. Uh, 
I love this quote. It says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us and he did not intend to. C.S. Lewis wrote those words in, a, in an amazing book called uh, Mere Christianity. If you're looking to go in depth on a lot of these things of this I believe, that would be the first place I would point you is C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. A um, whole lot of other resources, but, and, and if you would like to, I can give you a, a whole lot of other resources if you, if you talked with me, but, but this would, that would be the first place I would point you. Jesus, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life. Hebrews 4.15 says he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. And, and so sending Jesus was God's answer to our sin. Because he created us, because he loved us, God the Father wanted to provide a way for our salvation, provide a way uh, to restore the relationship that was broken between God and humanity because of sin. And, and as, we, as we celebrated just a little bit ago with, with communion, we, we, uh, we, we celebrated the fact that Jesus was crucified for us, taking on himself the sin of the world. He has paid the penalty for our... Next week... Fun week next week. We're getting into sin next week. So uh, just uh, come prepared. Uh, but uh, no, we'll talk about sin and salvation and what that's all about as we, as we think through these, these basic foundational beliefs. But, but um, we, we need to recognize that Jesus came in order to pay the penalty for our sin. And, and, and yet he didn't just die, but he rose from the dead and he overcame death and sin for us. The theological, uh, one of the theological words for what Jesus did for us uh, that, 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 uh, that you may have seen somewhere is the atonement. This is, the, this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He atoned for our sins. I heard it uh, described uh, this way probably in a Sunday school class years ago. Um, uh, at one meant uh, that, that Jesus came to make us at one again with God. Because of what Christ did on the cross, he's restored that relationship with God. God the Father sent Jesus, his son, in order to provide a way for us to restore the relationship between humanity and God again. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity. After, after Jesus went, went back to heaven, he said, I'm going to send my spirit, and sure enough, he did. The Spirit of God has come to live with us and within us. We believe that the Holy Spirit is how we know and interact with God. God is not physically here as he was when Jesus walked the earth. And yet, uh, Scripture says, Jesus said, it's going to be even better for you that I leave because the Spirit's going to come. And now the Spirit is available to everyone. Again, the Holy Spirit has always existed. It's not just that the Spirit was created in order to come down and birth the church. Uh, it, Clear back to the Old Testament, we see uh, the Holy Spirit inspiring and empowering people, but, but usually it was, it was empowering a, a certain person for a certain thing at a certain time. 
after Jesus went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit was, was sent and his, so his presence would continually be with us. After the disciples, the disciples received the Holy Spirit, uh, Peter started preaching and he said that the Spirit was then available to everyone who believes. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And having the Holy Spirit working in us and with us changes everything. He guides us, he counsels us, he convicts us of sin, he encourages and instructs us, he empowers us to resist temptation and, and, and to live for God and he even prays for us when we don't know how to pray for ourselves because of the Holy Spirit we actually have hope that we can live out the instructions that God has given in the pages of scripture Uh, not only does God tell us what to do and how to live then he gives us the power through his spirit to actually do it and and so the, the 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 Holy Spirit empowers us to live the holy lives that God desires us to live We're almost there. I didn't time it or anything. I'm sure many of you did. Um, It's a lot of stuff about God, right? I don't know where you are in your belief today uh, in God. Maybe you've been living in a relationship with him for years and and these things today are, are just a great reminder of the God that you already know. Maybe you're kind of new to this, this faith thing and, uh, and, and you're still figuring it out. And so I hope that, that some of these things today are, are helpful in helping you flesh out who God is and, and how we can know him more. Maybe, maybe you haven't jumped in yet, yet and you're still trying to figure this out. And the, the idea of God is, uh, is not something you know personally for yourself. Wherever you are in your belief in God today, I want you to know that he wants to know you deeply and he wants you to know him. We will never grasp fully who God is.